Good morning and happy Monday. Today is September the 18th. I'm your host, Ram Christopher. And I'm Kyle Christopher. This is Everything's Political. Uh, We have quite the lineup for you today. In national news, House Republicans release a short-term bill to avert government shutdown until October the 31st. And Trump, mm, he's he's still trumping. He's being mocked for saying President Biden would lead the U.S. into World War II in a gaff-filled speech last Friday in D.C. And in local news, up first, we talk climate change in the big city. We dive headfirst into an opinion released by local news site Gothamist. And rounding out our New York City coverage is the daycare drug disaster story from the Bronx. Of course, we're not going to leave you hanging. We have a WTF story that will leave you scratching your head. But first, we're going to go ahead and start off with our national story. Coming out of Washington, House Republicans have released a short-term bill to avert government shutdown until October 31st. Uh, The legislation brokered between GOP factions would include spending cuts and conservative border measures, making it unlikely to pass the Democratic-led Senate. Really? Yep. Looks like it. So um, key factions in the House Republican Conference reached a tentative agreement summit Sunday to keep the government funded temporarily and avert a shutdown. Scheduled for the end of the month, pairing it with a conservative border security measure, multiple GOP sources with knowledge of the agreement said. House Republicans released a bill after the far-right Freedom Caucus and the center-right Main Street Caucus reached a tentative agreement, the sources said. The deal, which would keep the government funded through October 31st but includes cuts to domestic spending, is expected to pave the way to pass a defense spending bill this week that has been tied up in the standoff between Republican leadership and the far-right. If the legislation passes the House, it would resolve one internal problem for Speaker Kevin McCarthy. While creating a new one, the controversial immigration provisions and reduced spending levels make it all but guaranteed to die in the Democratic-led Senate, meaning it could do more to hasten a shutdown at the end of September than prevent one. You know, I guess like we're back to square one again, and, and I guess this is what we were talking about with extremism and what's happening to the state of America at this point in time when you have, you know, these far fringe, far out extremists pulling the agenda this way and that way and having no interest whatsoever in coming to a compromise. Because, you know, we were talking about if you have 400 people in a room, let's just round it off, 400 people in a room, the chances that all 400 people will think the same thing or all 400 people will be in the same ballpark is impossible. The point of your job as a legislator is to come together and to put together, to find the consensus because the consensus will usually line up with, uh, with ideas, with morals that most everyone in the room can agree with. And if the fringe doesn't agree, oh well, because those people are, uh, they're not dictating the agenda and they shouldn't be a dicta- dictating the agenda. What do you think, Ram? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you because, like, the whole point of government is to do the most good that you can do and to have within your camp or within your tent the most uh, the most of the, the population um, in agreement with what you're doing. So the most good for the most people is the overall objective. And what we see here is our government being held hostage by uh, aggressive extremist groups um, whether they be from the far right or the far left and then you have the you know the people that you know understand how government moves forward through compromise uh, through you know a steadfast transparency um, we end up kowtowing continuously to our groups to show that we're we're as Republican as we say we are we're we're as Democratic or as liberal as we say we are because if we don't give in to our fringe groups then somehow we don't pass their purity test and and then they somehow are now the, the 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 holders of the flame they tell us what makes up the party and what doesn't make up our parties right so um, I think that, you know, these are some, this, this, this bill put forth, I mean, it's a good idea as far as like extending it because obviously they haven't come to the compromise or come to the agreement they need to, but we need to make sure that the Senate is doing what they need to as well. And we shouldn't play partisan here and we should try and, and, and really look at what the, this thing talks about. So if you don't mind, would you go ahead and like read a little bit more? Because I think that it, I mean, it tells us a little bit more about like what this spending is going towards, um, in the bill, right. Um, that was put forth. Well, it starts off with a cut. So the bill would cut domestic spending by 8% with exceptions for military 
and veterans funding, but it includes most of the secure of the most of the secure of the border act of 2023, a wish list of immigration provisions for GOP hardliners, with exception of provisions requiring employers to use e-verify to check immigration status. The legislation has been a big priority for the Freedom Caucus members, and while it passed the House in May, the Senate has ignored it. Nobly, the temporary government funding legislation does not mention Ukraine aid or disaster relief, two priorities for the White House and many lawmakers in both parties. Representative Rosa DeLauro of Connecticut, the top Democrat on Appropriations Committee, trashed the bill as extreme in a statement accusing House Republicans of trying to cut funding for to the National Institute of Health, including funding for cancer research, defund the police, and decrease resources to important allies like Ukraine and Israel instead of working on bipartisan solutions that could be enacted. Hmm. So when, when, when she's saying that they're trying to cut funding to defund the police, what does that mean? I, I, exactly? think, I think, I think what, what she's getting at is that the 8% cut will ultimately lead to defunding the police. Mm. Like, you know, that um, certain... Um, I think that what's happening here is that in this case where we're talking about extreme cuts and extreme... You know, this and that, this is a case of the bill is already pretty far right. When we're talking about an 8% cut overall, and we're talking about cutting, you know, the national research for our national research spending for National Institute of uh, Health and uh, decreasing some of the foreign aid that we already go out, it's very much along the far right's uh, alley. But, you know, when we also talk about, you know, spending for disaster relief. That's kind of like one of those things where the far right is shooting itself in the foot and it's, mm-hmm. you know, the extremism takes over. Because when you really consider Florida, Texas. Louisiana, Texas, the Gulf states, and we're not even out of the hurricane season technically. You know, hurricane season runs all the way, I guess, till November. So, um, not in the end of October. So, you know, we're two-thirds of the way through hurricane season. But we've seen a lot of devastating hurricanes at the end of the season um, around the Gulf. So, you know, it's, it's really risky stuff. And... It's stuff that's not considering, you know, realities of this nation. Um, and as well, as well as, you know, but you see other things that people want in the bill that I can agree with. And I definitely think we're going to touch on that in one of our stories locally um, with the border spending. I think it's one of those things that a lot of people, as far as the consensus goes, when we see that, you know, eight out of 10 New Yorkers in that recent Siena poll say that they want something done with migration. That, you know, there's definitely something there and it's missing on some points, but then it's conceding certain points that certain people from certain states would want. You know, that's just where it seems to be. Right. So I, I agree with you. Um, I wanted you to, like, go more into the defund the police part because it, as Republicans, uh, Republicans are typically the ones that are the biggest defenders uh, for our um our people, uh, our law enforcement and our people in uniform. And so, uh, I, I mean, I see that they're, you know, trying to continue on with the veteran spending and the military spending, which is great. And obviously we want to protect um, our nation and all that. But also domestically, I think that people need protection as well. So cutting and cutting our law enforcement domestically is not a good idea, I don't think. Um, and I think that it's crazy that it's coming from them. Uh, particularly GLP here, um, and making those types of concessions um, where obviously crime is up across the United States, I believe, um, just based off of the reports that we see out. And, you know, obviously um, it, it, one of the things that I would do if I'm, you know, a GOP person here, you don't want to get rid of guns. You don't want to get rid of uh, people's rights to arms. Then maybe we should not try and go about allowing the defunding of the police, right? That would be a way um, to kind of rebuff some of that uh, that rhetoric, I believe. Um, but, you know, here we are, and, you know, we have the people that we have in power, so <laughs> uh, we end up with uh, the short end of the stick. But hopefully they get things moving so we don't see another government shut down because the last time that happened, it was really bad for um, a lot of Americans in a lot of ways, and especially small business owners. Um you have anything more on this topic? I, I definitely agree, um, a hundred percent. And just to, I guess, highlight or just lament a little bit more on that, or, or I don't even know if lament is the right word, but to go over that when we talk about cutting disaster relief funding, that is just one of those. It's one of the most out, outrageous things. But when you consider where Lauren Boebert is from, Marjorie Taylor Greene is from, and a lot of these people are from, they don't live on the coast. They yeah. just don't. They don't they, care. You know, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is from what, northwest of uh, Atlanta. 
Um, those towns don't have to worry about most, you know, the things that they worry about are, are not things that are yearly occurrences, you know, a dam breaking or, you know, some kind of like free once in a 10 year or once in a hundred year uh, type storm hitting that area. It's not necessarily the reality of living in Florida or living even in coastal Georgia in her own state. And, you know, Colorado, geez, what was the last natural wildfire or something like that? But, you know, that those don't really, you know, those aren't something that Bobert herself would even go into as far as uh, talking about it. So, you know, there's not necessarily the natural disaster type, uh, I guess, uh, scheduling or cycling that <laughs> scheduling, but cycle of natural disasters that happens like in a place like Florida or just up and down the East Coast. You're bound to get hit by a storm once every five years. Right. So I guess they're obviously they're prioritizing what matters most to them in their areas. But at the same time, as a whole, which is this is like the job of this body. Right. You're looking at, you know, that we have a storm. What that Superstorm Lee now is affecting a large parts of the eastern coast um, and is like cycling through and changing the, the weather patterns throughout the rest of the country. So, you know, given that and the fact that, you know, things are happening the way that they're happening. There's no, no telling when another storm would be headed towards Florida or one of the Gulf states, right? So it's the precautionary, you know, budget isn't there. Um, People aren't, um, I don't think, working in an effective way and and doing what they need to do. It's more of a, I feel like, again, like siblings trying to be like, well, if, you know, I can't have what I want, then I'm going to take this away from you, even though I know you need it type of scenario here. And it's um, very immature and, um, we are just, you know, left at the, at the whims of these people who are playing again, politics and playing games with our overall, I guess, well-being. So we're going to go on and move it on over to a guy who has obviously been playing with our well-being for a while. He was our president and now he is continuing to make his, you know, well-known gaffes in the media. He, uh, was just, uh, caught saying some really retarded um things <laughs> sorry for saying a non-pc term but i mean he just said that biden was uh you know gonna lead us into world war ii when the last i checked uh, i thought world war ii took place <laughs> quite a long time ago am i wrong or am i right or am i wrong no you're right it's almost 80 years since world war ii yeah so i guess you know world war ii we're gonna do it again Let's not. Okay. All right, Donald Trump, you've been on Biden for sound, saying that he sounds like an idiot and he sounds too old. But are you uh, in need of some Alzheimer medicine yourself? Because, you know, World War II already happened. Donald Trump is being mocked on social media after he said Biden would lead the U.S. into World War II. And the former president and 2024 candidate also seemed to suggest Barack Obama is running against him. Man, I mean... I don't know what's going on there. Different polls show voters are concerned about the age of both 2024 candidates, Trump and Biden. I guess that's a good, a good sign for your guy, huh? Who's my guy? Oh, is that you mean Vivek? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was doing push-ups over the week. I mean, pull-ups over the weekend, right? At the out in Iowa, and he looks he looked young and youthful. Definitely did. I mean, he got up over ten, and it was kind of. Uh, I was actually impressed. I didn't think he had that upper body strength. Yeah, look at the guy. He's 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 doing big things. But he's no, he's no RFK Jr. though. Yeah, I mean RFK Jr. I mean he's another one, but he's over seventy, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, he's just turned seventy. Oh, he is. Okay, all right. So he's got a couple years left. All right, all right. Former U.S. President and 2024 candidate Donald Trump was mocked on social media after he said President Joe Biden is cognitively impaired and would lead the country into World War II if he were reelected during a Washington, D.C. summit on Friday. Mm. We have a man who is totally corrupt and the worst president in the history of our country who is cognitively impaired and no condition to lead and, and is now in charge of dealing with Russia and possible nuclear war, Trump said during the speech, part of the ongoing conservative pray, vote, stand summit. He then said, we would be in World War II. World War II took place between 1939 and 1945. In the same speech, Trump appeared to mix up Biden and former President Barack Obama, saying he was ahead of Obama in the 2024 election polls. <laughs> As you know, Cricket Joe Biden and the radical left thugs have weaponized law enforcement to arrest their leading political opponent and leading by a lot, including Obama. I'll tell you that, Trump said. 
<laughs> Trump also seemed to suggest that Obama had been his runner up in the 2016 election, saying with Obama, we won an election that everyone said couldn't be won. He then corrected himself and specified his opponent was actually Hillary Clinton. Trump's mix-ups raised doubts about the former president and 2024 candidate's age and mental fitness. Americans, Americans have already shown concern about 80-year-old President Biden's mental and physical health, despite his physician declaring him healthy, vigorous 80-year-old male who is fit for duty in February. Biden is the country's oldest president and first octogenarian to hold the post. Trump is not much younger having turned 77 in June. I'm thinking Trump might be the one who's cognitively impaired. One user posted on X, the social network formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really don't think either man is fit to be president if you really want to get serious about it. And that's just a state of where we're at. When you, you can't stop. Sorry. <laughs> I got you. Keep going. Um, so, you know, when we really consider that... Um, Americans are living longer, especially wealthy, wealthy Americans are living longer They're, You know, it doesn't mean necessarily that their cognitive ability is remaining. It, it, it doesn't. I mean, and granted, the quality of life in America is increasing, especially for people that have money. Let's not get it twisted. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that 80 is the new 60 or, you know, and people love to do that. 50 is the new is the new 30 no, and, or, or, or 40 is the new 30. 50 is 50, 40 is 40. Right. You're, you're not 20 ever again. <laughs> right. And exactly. I agree 100% on that. And, you know, 80 is not the new 60. And, you know, you're starting to get up there in years. And the life expectancy, even though it's rising for these people, it's only two, three, four, five years out for, for these guys, especially Donald Trump with the diet and the the, the, the health beliefs and, and exercise beliefs that he has. You know, it's only – you know, by the grace of God and a, 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 a surgeon's scalpel that he will live past a certain age. That's just the fact of it. But, you know, when we're considering are these people fit to run the country? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I can't I can't make an argument for it. I want Joe Biden to win again because I think that he's a good president, that he's been tarnished and that, you know, some of it is rightful retaliation by the GOP because, you know, the far left drug the 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 remainder of the moderate and the and the center left into this really dirty online social media based fight that we can't seem to see an end of and is destroying our nation. Yes, exactly that. And I, I agree with you. And you know, I have a dad that's in his eighties and he just had a birthday and um I would say he's probably one of the fittest like men, like probably that I've seen that I mean way fitter than most people in their sixties even in some guys in their 50s. He still farms. Yes, he still farms. He's still active, thank God, you know. Um, he, you know, he, he's been a healthy guy who's led a really healthy life, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, those types of things. But even in his 80s, would I want to say have a man of his age running the country? Mm, I mean, if anybody would, I would say him. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I would say that he'd be good to lead, you know, be a mayor or something like that. But this kind of stress... With that type of age, um, not to sound like an ageist, but you know, you're like your your maybe your time is over. And I like Joe Biden. I do. I think Joe Biden. Is, out of the two guys here, whether we got Trump or Biden, I like Joe Biden a whole lot more than I like Trump. Trump is a dirty geezer. He is. It's just what he is. He does things in a way that doesn't make sense. He's not a politician. He's not polished. He never has been polished, and he doesn't try to pretend like he is, but people love that for whatever reason. I think he's great in the entertainment space as a leader of the nation. I think he's a dangerous person, um, and, you know, he isn't disciplined. Look at his waist. He's not disciplined. And so I would say no to him being president. At least Biden, you would say, at least look, he, look, he looks fit, right? He looks fit, but I think that he looks too uh, very frail, and I mean, he, he's skinny and he can do a, a, a. I don't know if he can still do push-ups, but uh, he did push-ups uh, four years ago. But I, I know that his face and his hair and everything else—it looks like he's already in the coffin. Oh gosh, stop! Well, look at Donald Trump has shit glued onto his head and it's orange and it doesn't even match, and his skin looks like he has like pasty makeup. His on theme is orange. Yeah, I mean, he has to tan himself to try to look like he's still alive as well. So you know, they're both not healthy I, I feel like donald trump all he eats is mayonnaise all day and uh, uh or, you know like he looks so 
just rotund and disgusting in a lot of ways. He just looks like he smells like sour pickles or something. But, um, <laughs> you know, this is what we got, right? And I think, and again, I will pick Biden out of the two just because. But, you know, are either of them cognitively uh, there? I could never really, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put my money on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, like, I guess we were talking about, like, who are the runner-ups, who are the contenders for the, the Democratic Party? It doesn't look like anyone's really going to be able to come forward. We're going to continue on with Biden and hope for the best there. But Donald Trump, man, you can't really be talking about somebody cognitively being impaired when you're making such gaffes as this. You don't even know who you ran against. You don't even know who you're running against now. I think that the whole thing, he let the cat out of the bag as far as, you know, what they were talking about with uh, the rise of certain groups and what Barack Obama's presidency meant well, to the yeah. nation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his opponent was always Barack Obama. It was never who was across the aisle right. um, from him. And, and that's kind of one of those things where he did such a good job for the five years prior, considering he started, well, not even five years now at this point in time, it's eight years, um, because, you know, he was running since 2015. Of not saying that name. Right. And he finally let it out of the bag that this was more of, uh, it was, wasn't about, I think, like, the nation's in trouble. No. It's that because that guy got to be the president, I should be able to be president, which is one of the least, least quali- if not disqualifying reasons as to whether or not you should be a, qu- a candidate. Because if you feel that you should run because somebody else got to have the office, and we see that happening in New York right now right. with certain people looking at over Eric Adams and saying, well, if he's the mayor, I should be the mayor or not, and discounting the fact that he climbed atop an incredible po- uh, political apparatus that is in New York that prevents so many people that are actually well-meaning from you know helping and serving their communities. You know, there's... A lot of a lot of handshaking, a lot of ring kissing that has to go on in New York for people to become an elected official. And Eric Adams was able to maneuver his way, despite everybody thinking that he's not necessarily the smartest guy in the room, to the top. It's not it's not by it wasn't like he's an Andrew Yang that just showed up yesterday and had some novel idea and everyone's like, Oh wow, that guy's really smart. No, no one ever said that about Eric Adams. He, you know, was a police a police captain. So when you really consider like what you know what people are making of some some of the success that black men are having in this country and how they discount it this is where all of this animosity is coming from is that they can't necessarily discount it because the guy's still sitting in the seat right right and I, I agree with you on that. I think that's a really valid point to make. And it, it, it really is suggestive of how, you know, the people on the far right actually took the Obama presidency and what that meant for them and how it really burned the insides of so many people because they're like, okay, this guy, this guy who's supposed to be always beneath me has somehow climbed this guy who was born to a single mother who is with this here with this afro and this nappy hair in his picture uh, telling me that he can run the run the country over me when I'm born with all my privilege and all of this, you know, it's it, it really speaks to how they saw it. They never saw the actual accomplishments, what it meant for him to have risen from what he like rose from, right? Like he rose from this single mother family situation. Yes, he had a father who was successful in his own right, but this guy is an immigrant who is African, who who has a funny name. Obama on top of it has his funny name. So you then start to try to discredit whether or not he's an American citizen. You try to discredit him based off of his faith. Oh, he's Muslim. He can't run this pre- this country. Oh, he, you know, he's not a citizen, all these things. And then he writes these books and he tells you who exactly who he exactly who he is tells you all the faults that he does have and because you can't crack him on any of those things or prove any bad um acts of or misconduct on him then you start making up stories after his presidency and you know it's like you can't it it just like it it is still grinding the gears of so many that this guy was able to do something and in the way that he did it too right because if you saw his campaigns and how he you know he took this grassroots approach and he did this thing it's like now they're all gonna do it it wasn't just the far left that did i mean the far right that did it the far left did it as well because you saw it with bernie sanders because it also grinded his gears because he had the same kind of people the same type of following was super freaking racist I know I was out in Iowa and what they said about Obama those same people who were just left you know they they would have been left prior to Obama are now 
all all in the right, but also now they're saying, no, we're ultra left because Obama was this demagogue. He was this horrible man who did all these things because none other than the fact that his skin was blacker than theirs. And then you, you went, so now you end up with these far left idiots and you get end up with these far right idiots. And it's all because people hate the fact that a black man was the president of the United States. So now anybody in their mama is somehow fitting to be the president because guess what? It's better than a black man being there. Definitely, I have to agree, and that, that's I was waiting for you for the other shoe to drop on that one because that's what I was going to come in with, and it's, it's the far left too because it's one of the reasons why we have pre- Tr- Trump as president uh, prior because they didn't care, they didn't see um, the threat that Trump was because they were so busy promoting Bernie Sanders, and then when it wasn't Bernie Sanders, it was it was uh, the Green Party lady, Jill, whatever her face is. Um, nonsensical who people ruined it for Hillary. right um a woman that stein yeah jill stein who would block you if you posted a picture of her and vladimir putin at a state dinner that she attended for what reason i don't know because she wasn't politically uh, elected at the time she wasn't a head of any major nonprofit that was taking any kind but somehow she's in russia having dinner with uh putin and if you post that picture i, I dare any of my followers if you go on x and you post that picture on her website on her on her page i don't know if she'll block you now because she's not running supposedly but you know if you posted that picture on her on her x page when she's talking about foreign policy she blocked you immediately and there's no explanation no nothing given you have these deep state actors a foreign deep state actors that are you know destroying our democracy and it's all because we're so busy looking the other way at, at and, and and secretly internally we're all and i'm not saying we're all but you know the majority of the country when we're talking about the majority demographic of the country they're all so caught up still on the fact that we elected a black man to be president and they don't know how to feel about it, even though some of them and some of them feel tricked because they're like, we elected the guy and then their friends, the, the, the sentiments of their friends and the sentiments of other people in the fringe started to eat with their mind and they too became engulfed in it. Not all of them, but some of them. Yes. And exactly that. And then you see these smoke screens that come out as to, you know, what, 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 what all that actually means now and and how that will now shape the democratic party and now like we can't have any it's like with him being elected it changed the morality of the party as well it's like it oh, of both parties. yeah of both parties but especially like the party that you know what has always been designed to be a part of the democratic party is like now we have to allow all the fringe groups in because that's what it means to be black right because it's like the you know how they always tie this rope around like what isn't acceptable and being black as if they're one in the same so it's like this these promiscuous these all these these promiscuous these these controversial taglines why, tag we, why they hated hit. obama because yeah. obama came from the single mother but he didn't believe in the extreme ideas yes. that they tie with being right. from that position and he was like but now you're changing what we thought that stereotype all meant because aren't you all supposed to be like on government checks and you don't you all not want to go to college and don't you all don't you all just like just you know, have no belief in anything, and it, it was just—it's just utter garbage. And it's kind of you see it being re- re-thrown back up in our well, faces. My favorite one from uh, law school was, "You don't really know what you're talking about, right?" When you <laughs> say something smart in, in class, and oftentimes I had that happen to me, where you know other law students would approach me and ask me directly if I knew what I was talking about because they didn't understand what I was talking about, but the professor seemed to think I was pretty smart in what I was saying, and a couple other students pretty, thought I was pretty smart in what I was saying. So I've had that experience, and you know where it's coming from if you if you actually been somewhat smart, maybe the 15th smartest in a room of 100, what I'm talking about. Exactly. So we're going to keep it moving. Sorry we got a little caught up on that, but it's just, it's it's. I think it's good material, and it's good to get our juices flowing on this Monday morning. So while we're talking about juices flowing, I mean, I wasn't really sweaty this summer, were you? I mean, summer in New York City was pretty mild, but according... You know, we're sticking with the extremes, and we're going now after the far left, so let's just, let's just put that out there. This is about the far left. Obviously. I was just saying I wasn't really hot no, this summer, gonna, were you? I mean, we haven't even run the air conditioner like that. Yeah, you have climate change. Well, obviously, some people were really hot, so they're saying you have climate change to thank for this your scorching <laughs> New York summer. I was actually thinking it was pretty freaking mild, but what do I know? Um, hmm. 
Climate change contributed to about four weeks worth of sweaty, sweltering weather in New York City between June and August, according to a new study by the climate science nonprofit Client Central. Global warming also quadrupled the odds of this month's unusual late summer heat wave, the research found. The heat that hit New York City around Labor Day had a very significant climate fingerprint, said Andrew Pershing, who leads research efforts at Climate Central. And it isn't a one-off either. Those sorts of conditions are the ones that we need to prepare for going forward, he added. Climate Central found that between June and August, New Yorkers endured 28 scorching days so statistically improbable that they were likely influenced by climate change. That puts the New York metro area among the cities most affected by climate change in the Northeast region, according to the data. But these counts are nothing next to the sweltering temperatures seen in southern states. In Texas, Louisiana, and Florida, climate change affected months worth of weather. Data from Climate Central shows Austin, Texas experienced more than 45 days above 100 degrees Fahrenheit before the end of August. Meanwhile, Mobile, Alabama broke 152-year-old record for summer temperatures. New York City's September heat wave, however, put the five boroughs back on the extreme weather map. The 90-plus degree temperatures were extremely uncommon in September. Yeah, you know, they're going to they're gonna skip the amount of 90-degree days they tell you in that report. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I, I had enough of it because there's an idea going on here that, first off, the amount of normal, uh, the range of 90-degree of days is around 14, 15 days. We didn't even touch that in New York. We didn't even get to double digits this year. It was an abnormally cool year this year, but... You know, there was a climate change rally or whatever they had. And this is a riff of that, off of that, that, you know, like, oh, this is happening. But they can't point to this year in New York and say this is like some extreme climate change. And another, like, point is like they were saying, like, oh, well, you know, Labor Day. And then Labor Day, being myself, being West Indian, is a day that I always check the weather. Because, you know, we're going out on the parkway. We're going to Juve. Do I need a jacket? Do I not need a jacket? And that's actually a thing because guess what? Some days it actually is cool going to Labor Day. And then sometimes it's 90 degrees, 95 degrees on the parkway. And you need to take some water with you, not just a bottle of rum. Mm. You know, being real about it. So, you know, the fact that these people who are probably from North Dakota, I don't know where the hell they're from. But the idea that they're telling you that a 90 degree day in September in New York is some kind of great outlier is nonsense. The average temperature for that time of year is, you know, 83, 84 degrees. So the temperature coming 10 degrees above that is not, or falling 10 degrees below that is no extreme, you know, heat. It's it's a normal day. And frankly, New York has been cool this summer. I mean, it's, it's been alarmingly cool in some aspects when you consider the previous summers before where it felt like we had 20, 30 days of 90 degree weather. Oh, yeah. I mean, help me, help me. I'm melting at 90 degrees. Come on, spare me. Truly, um, <laughs> going out in the summer this summer in the city was not at all um, the type of hot that I've experienced in past summers in New York. And not to say that, you know, maybe there is a rise or an uptick in it, but I just didn't I wasn't seeing it I actually felt chilly on some of the days. And I thought, you know what? Geez, this is great. I mean, this is, you know, the type of weather where I don't feel like I may experience a heat stroke at all. And, you know, it, it seems really um it seems to me almost, I don't know if they're trying to be nefarious or whatever with this type of article. Obviously, yeah, they had that little rally in, um, in, in recent days, but it's like they don't even mention at all the urban, what is it, the urban heat, heat island effect. Yeah, the heat island effect. Um, you know, like there's going to be days where it's hotter and not, and not hotter and such. And then like to throw in the Texas heat, Yo, this is an ongoing regular thing. Guess what? Because it's a desert, right? A, lo- major- a large part of Texas is desert. This is my, that's my territory. That's my area of the world. And our summers were always hot. It hasn't changed any um, from, from this to the other. We spent time in both New York and in Texas during the summer. And, and, and in that time frame, there was never a time uh, in, my, in my past um, in my, uh, I guess my childhood rather, and the, we experienced days of 112, 120, um, growing up that that's a, a normal, that's not something that's new or, oh, this is somehow changed. Um, so with their write-up of this, it, it, it really seems like they are just like trying to throw something at the wall and hope something sticks or something, it lands with people. But if you're from Texas or you're from this part of the South, then you know that, 
110 degree days, it's nothing. That's nothing to be alarmed by because we get that, especially when we're looking at July, July through uh, September. Those those days, it, it can be non it, never ending. But guess what? That's why we have air conditioner. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I just wanted to read a couple of comments on the bottom of this because, you know, even the Gothamist readership, which is in the millions monthly, but tends to st- straight, uh, sway pretty progressive. The first comment and most like comment on this post is, I don't understand. This summer felt normal, if not cooler than usual. Most days were in the low 80s. We had two heat waves where it hit the mid-90s and was muggy. Standard summer weather in NYC. And someone replies to that, right, this summer was not unusually hot in NYC. This month, though, has been muggy and stormy and awful, though. September is usually a great weather month in NYC. And the next guy on the thread says, same, I 100% climate change change and feel that it needs to to be continually addressed. But this article feels like a nothing burger. The summer was relatively mild, maybe a little bit rainier than usual, but that was it. Yeah, exactly. I think that the reason why they did this article is so that they could carry on that narrative because their narrative kind of fell short this summer, right? We didn't have experience all of the wildfires that we normally have in Maui. Whenever that took place in Hawaii, um, everybody was all up in arms and saying, oh, my God, this is because of climate change. They were so quick to do that. But then quickly they were disproved that uh, it was because of actual uh, power cords coming down and setting a fire. And then that's fire spreading in a natural way, not having to do at all because of wildfires. And so with that being disproved, they're, they were already short on their uh, climate change um, content. Uh, content and narratives that they want to set forth, uh, the alarm, the panic that they, they must do. Um, and, you know, there's also, you know, like we've seen in, um, in other countries where people were literally setting fires in, these, in, Greece. in Greece and there wasn't in part of um central america too was, I, I, uh, I thought it was in peru okay peru also had those people that were caught setting fires and then it being looking like oh this is a natural wildfire oh my god climate change right but it's actually at the hands of people setting the fires and of course what are trees gonna do they're gonna burn right so you know you can go ahead and read more yeah, like, and there's like a, another comment so at the risk of sounding like a climate change denier this summer did not feel very hot especially compared to the last two years. So you have actual people that are, you know, 100% on board with climate change saying that the article is a nothing burger. But, you know, this goes to the point that we're talking about where these narratives are being pushed by the extremes that, hey, this is the most important thing on the agenda. And if you don't put this on the agenda or you don't include this on the bill, we're not gonna we're not going to vote. We're going to hold everything up. We're going to ruin the country. We're going to ruin the economy. We're going to ruin the nation at a whole because you're not taking paying attention to our fringe topic. The fact of the matter is, is one of the reasons why it's hotter in New York, and I can speak to this unlike any other person because I'm a person that played outdoor sports, which is something that a lot of these people never did, and my life has been looking at, you know, living on a, on a coast on the eastern seaboard in a coastal city during the summer, looking at the weather report. You're looking to see whether it's not going to rain. You're looking to see how hot it's going to be or if it's going to be cold. Because that's going to affect the whether or not your game is going to be played. And I've been looking at the weather since I was probably about seven years old uh, for summer league baseball, uh, for summer league outdoor basketball, uh, as to know whether or not I was going to have a chance to play that night. And one of the things that did happen in New York is the development of East New York, um, the development of certain uh, properties out in um, further out onto the bay uh, in southern Brooklyn that have really increased urban heat island effect. Uh, you know, late at night. Um, you know, I remember as a young boy, July 4th, having to carry a jacket. We used to go over to my uncle's house in uh, East New York. He has a, a very large backyard, and he had a swimming pool back then. And uh, I know, believe it or not, in East New York, um, he was over on the other side of the of the, the, the uh, southern side of the highway, so uh, of Linden Boulevard. So that was a very undeveloped area, and now it's extremely developed. That His block alone had 10 houses, and now it has... I think something like 40 or 50 row houses with one or two of the older houses remaining on the larger plots. So just the difference in his block now, that backyard is so hot, whereas I remember it used to be 55, 60 every night. And if you still go out further on the island, you go out to certain towns, you know, your Deer Park, your your inner inner uh, island um, areas, it still gets down to 55 on a summer night. And that's like more close to what 
the true climate of New York is, but because we have so much concrete poured, it gets it stays warmer than it normally would. And there are days where you know the heat starts to build on itself because the concrete is still so hot. But that doesn't necessarily speak to a permanent climate change. That speaks to an issue right now. And you know our summer this year is kind of pointing towards that. That you know it. Maybe it hasn't affected some kind of runaway climate effect because why are we getting this mild summer then? Yeah, exactly. Or, or perhaps those patterns are just changing, and um, other places are getting different weather, and we're getting and we're experiencing different weather. Or things are going back to how it was when you were a younger child, like when you said that the summers were milder, right? Like that you it was chilly in September again, and you you know your your birthday parties couldn't oh, be yeah, outside. You, you remember that story? Yeah, now. yeah. So I mean, maybe that's what's happening because we're already experiencing some fall weather. Uh, it's not as hot in New York right now as it was in recent past years. So. Um, yeah, maybe, I mean, good luck trying to scare people and trying to make your, your climate thing stick. But, you know, one of the people also suggested here, what is Andrew Pershing suggesting with regard to starting school early in September? New York City already starts and ends school later, later than most of the country where the trend has been to push the school year up earlier and earlier each year. Kids in parts of the South are now starting school on August 1st, July and August remain the two hottest months of the year where it makes sense for school to be out. Starting later would mean ending in July where it's hotter than earlier, early September. The real answer is that we can't rely on not having school when it's hot out. We have the technology to make school buildings comfortable in 100 degree weather. How do you think people live in places like Phoenix where it's routinely that hot? So the problem is really a bunch of incompetency and lack of political will to get it done. And that is exactly correct because we do have air conditioner now. So the things that they're talking about and pushing on us and saying, oh, my God, like it's going to be the end of the world because it's a little hotter outside. And what do we do? It's just unrealistic to say, oh, I mean, what is the real objective? Are we just trying to make it where our kids get no education at all? What are we really trying to say here when we say that it's too hot what what is it too hot for exactly? Yeah, you know, you hit the nail on the head, and that gets me towards. I was reading another article about this, and you know, it was a climate uh, scientist who's a you know real climate scientist. He had placed a, a article, and I think I forgot what journal it was, but the article was fabricated, and he was doing it as a to make a point about you know whether or not you know these scientific journals have become too narrative driven versus actually uh, scientifically rigorous as, as they should be back you up just one second what was the article about that he wrote was he in uh, support of climate change being real or what was he saying in his he was, he was basically saying it was, it was around the area of actually wildfires and he was saying you know he he did exactly what you were talking about when we talk about those wildfires where he didn't investigate how the wildfires were start. He just gave this list of wildfires and saying they're more likely to happen because of some XYZ factor and so on and so forth. But it was all made up because he was showing how what the math that the math that he had given was false, right? And in, in the write up that he had given the following following the, the journal article being accepted. Um, and that moves to the point where, you know, there are other points of contention where they're talking about, you know, the heat will kill people. And I heard you say that, and the heat will, like, you know, the, the flora and fauna are not going to survive. Meanwhile, food production in the world has continued to go up, mm-hmm. and people are actually able to ex- survive more and more extreme temperatures. The mortality rate in extreme temperatures is going down, because obviously we have people, more people moving into the Sun Belt, and because those places are adapted to, like you were going on, that's what really drew that, drew that thought out on me. They're more adapted to living in these con- in climate. They're not dying somehow, some way, um, you know. And it's cold air conditioning. You can argue, you know, about the greenhouse gases and all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, is that we should be studying how humans are making these adaptations and how how we're we're you know striving to do better in these issues and things as, as whether instead of you know driving panic and driving fear and posing these equations that are unsolvable and unfixable so that you can, you know, basically kidnap and, and deadlock our Congress and, and, and kidnap our, our political future and, and, well, not even political future, but our, our lives as Americans with your, with your narrative. It's nonsense. Well, you know, because everything is political, and I think I'd be more concerned about those people living in tents uh, during the cold weather months. Um, but let's go ahead. Yeah, Chicago, <laughs> right? So let's go ahead and move it on over 
to our local story. Um, two people in custody after child's death in a Bronx daycare. NYPD officials confirmed two people are in custody following a drug investigation at a Bronx daycare. Um, and this so this was uh, four children in the Bronx. One died, a, a, a two-year-old, uh, unfortunately passed. And we have we also know that the eight-month-old was uh, taken into taken into the hospital, and two other two-year-olds were uh, sickened by this uh, by this incident, uh, where basically a fentanyl pill mill was being run side by side with a daycare by the same owner. And the, one of the persons in, in custody is the daycare owner. And the other person, I guess, is like a guy that was supposedly living within the daycare, um, but probably was just like the security guard slash like helper um, that that was arrested. And this story, I, I don't want to read the specifics because it's getting me so angry. Um, so I just gave you the, the, the quick. And Ram, what are you thinking? Oh, my heart is going out to the 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 family of the children um, that were damaged or, or or killed by this irresponsible criminal behavior. Um, that's what I'm thinking. I think that it's very um, it's very sad because when you you know I, I, I'm some oh, Jesus, it's a poor little baby. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate because when you you for me, it's hard for me to put my uh, kid in anybody else's um, care. Um, I'm very overprotective, and to when you do that, I know most parents when they have to go to work, they have to go, you know, run an errand or whatever case may be. You don't the last thing you're thinking about is that something's going to be done to your child, um, and then you you know you're the one that put them there, right? You're the one to blame in your mind um, because these people have carried out whatever crazy acts that they've carried out but i think that it's really 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 egregious that and um in our city you know you know so much funding goes towards um universal pre-k and all these things and so parents you know trust in that you know we have so many people that have to go to work in order to you know put food on the table and then you put your your kids in the care of these people like carlista acevedo brito and gray mendez um these are the two assailants or the two people that are being charged with murder and manslaughter um um from that bronx daycare um so it, it seems that we have the story up now and uh, there's a drug production equipment and a kilo of fentanyl were found inside the home-based daycare and is sus suspected in the death of one-year-old nicholas what is that dominici, dominici and the hospitalization hospitalization of the three young children um so yeah, I'm, you know, prayers are with the families of these children. I hope that the kids are able to recover. The one that lost his life, I really am praying for the child and for the family. Um, and these people that did this, uh, the two-year-old uh, boy's remains uh, remains in critical condition. An eight-month-old girl and a two-year-old boy were also rushed to the hospital. So um, God bless those babies and protect them and be with their families in this time because. Yeah, this is really, 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 really set. Uh, it's devastating. Like I don't know. You know, I, I just want to, as a parent myself. <laughs> so I mean, you know, obviously we have a, a child, and you know, I think that I do fear that things may happen to him in school, but I don't ever suspect that or or worry. I don't have that worry, and I don't think any parent should have that worry. That oh my goodness, my child might eat a pill of fentanyl today. I mean, that's just out of out of left field, and I think you hit the nail on the head. We talk about this government spending and how it's entitling and and helping these these criminals. You know, obviously the universal pre K is something where De Blasio put that on warp speed and wanted it implemented everywhere. And this is what happens when we do something like this and try to implement it everywhere at warp speed. It's just it's just a fact of the matter. This is not something that has a, a background or any precedent being anywhere else in this country. So when we try these programs and we don't actually use caution and we just try to make a rollout date, this is what happens. And there's another government program that we have to look at. 
And that's our border patrol, our, our security, because mm-hmm. it's coming through the border. That's where that fentanyl is coming from. It's not coming from China. Mm-hmm. It's not coming. It is coming from China, but it's China, coming through with the mules that they send right. over, who are also China part sending, of these people pretending to be part of and seeking asylum. Right? A lot of these people pretending to be seeking asylum are coming over here as drug mules, and you can pretend or say I'm a xenophobic for saying it, but God forbid one of your children end up in a hospital or dead because some of these, one of these idiots, one of these people who don't really care about human life at all don't value it only care about getting rich and turning a buck over here in this doing illegal criminality and your kid ends up in a hospital or dead and you want to talk about someone being xenophobic when you need to just call a spade a spade and just simply say this is not how we do it we need to have better oversight at our borders we need to make sure that the people that we're bringing over are quality people who want to be here and actually want to contribute in a good way to our nation and if they don't then get them the heck out of here I agree. It doesn't. You don't have to be a scientist to come over here, but if you have fentanyl in your body or in your on your person, and you're trying to bring it into this country, you're clearly not a quality person. Yeah, because how do these people get it, right? How do these people get it? Right. Exactly. And you know, that's just you know, imagine this thing, this whole drug mill is being funded by the New York City government because it's a universal pre-K one, and then two, you know, the drugs are being left let in by. You know our border, our border patrol, and our, our lax border security, and because that's such a far left thing, and you know the whole, I guess the political party to blame at this point in time, because you know some people say, oh, well, it's the Republicans, but ultimately our border security policies are that of the far left, and our educational, you know, everyone gets it, because I doubt, you know, let's be real, you think this woman has a degree in early early childhood education, Mermira? Probably not. Everything is lacking. If you qual- if you ask her to be qualified to do anything, then you're being xenophobic. If you ask you're her, if you're being racist. Oh my God, you know, because math is racist. It's racist. We don't we, we, we don't want to expect anything of anything of anybody or, you know, want them to seek higher uh, qualifications so that they can be better for our children. We just want them to be the lowest of the low, whatever. Let's just stick our kids in there and then hope that our kids turn out to be geniuses, right? Right. And, and, and that, you know, it's, it's a beautiful story. And I, 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 I use that word cautiously, um, but it's an exemplary story is what I should say. Not a beautiful story, but it's a beautiful example of how wrong these things can go. Because we're talking about this woman that is running a fentanyl pill mill, right? Let's, let's be clear on that, right? This is something that will obviously, this, this school will exacerbate the differences between the, the child care that's being received on the Upper West Side and Upper East Side and the child care that's being received in Park Slope and in Greenpoint and all these well-to-do neighborhoods, their children are obviously not being taught by these by the same people. So the well-meaning parents that are trying to get back to work, their children might actually be worse off because their kids got sent to this universal pre-K that happens to be you know in the South Bronx. They're not helping us. The, the woman, there, there was another part of the, I, I was reading another one of the stories, and they said there was like a four-pound bag of Lucky Charms mm. in the kitchen. Obviously, that was snack time. You think they're doing that in uh, uh, in Midtown, or not even Midtown, but, geez, I'm, uh, Battery Park or, or in Brooklyn Heights? Or at, Park Slope. Or Park Slope. You think they're doing that? No, I bet not. I bet they're, they have a balanced meal where they have veggie, they have a fruit, they have some some kind of protein and some kind of grain and probably some milk, right? Like that's what you would be giving a kid, not some crazy thing like that. You know, give them some bananas, give them some fruit, give them something that's going to actually get their brain working. But here we are giving our kids fentanyl, giving them something that is going to mess them up for life. Right, definitely. And, um, you know, this is uh, when you think about smart criminals, if I, I'm just saying, you know, hypothetically, if I were doing this, like, the, the business side of it, the, the front-facing side would be so good that no one would ever question my motivations for having a school. I wouldn't be feeding them Lucky Charms, cutting my profits when I'm also doubling up with or quadrupling up by selling fentanyl, right? I, I would obviously be trying to give the, 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 the I guess, uh, what's the word for it? But give, the, 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 uh, give off the impression that I have the most above-board business but these people didn't even care enough to do that. There was fentanyl. There were pictures of inside the, the daycare. The sink was filled up with bottles of water, uh, uh, empty plastic bottles. It was a decrepit, filthy place. And somehow it passed inspection on September 6th. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that happened. 
But, you know, obviously people are looking the other way when they're instituting these type of programs. You, you understand how it happens, though. You have to understand how it happens because, you know, the person that probably was going there to uh, oversee this facility to whether or not give them a pass or a fail, they're probably like, you know what, if I say something wrong, you know, I might lose my job. I might come off as being xenophobic. I might, you know, you know, I might be called racist, you know, so here I am. I'm just going to let this happen. So, you know, it, it, it's it's really sad that this type of thing has to happen for things to get for light to be shined on it. But at the same time, it's good that it comes to the light of day so that this place can be in operation. So no more children have to be in the hands of these freaking criminals. So we're going to go on to our next story. And this is our WTF because I'm really pissed off if you haven't been able to tell already. But, you know, when it comes to kids, you know. I don't really, I'm like, what's this dude's name, Steve Wilkos? I'm like, get the heck off my stage. <laughs> okay, all right, we're going to go ahead and go on over to our WTF story, and Kyle's going to tell you all about what's happened. The U.S. asked for help finding a missing F-35 fighter jet after pilots eject during mishap. Can we look any weaker? We're asking for help. The jet was left in autopilot mode, so there's a possibility it could still be airborne somewhere. Over southern Cal- over southern South Carolina, a spokesman at the Joint Base Charleston told NBC News, "A U.S. fighter jet's stealth abilities appear to be working too well, with authorities forced to ask public the public for help finding an F-35 that went missing somewhere over South Carolina." Joint Base Charleston, an air base in North Charleston, said it was working on with Marine Corps Air Station Beaufort to locate an F-35 that was involved in a mishap Sunday afternoon. The pilot was able to safely eject from the aircraft an F-35B Lightning II jet and was taken to a local medical center in stable condition. It said in a Facebook post around 5.35, the jet was left in autopilot mode when the pilot ejected from the aircraft, so there's a possibility it could still be airborne. Jeremy Huggins, a spokesman for Joint Base Charleston, told NBC News over the phone, However, he said searchers were focusing their attention north of the airbase around Lake Moultrie and Lake Marion based on the jet's last known position and, coordinate, and coordinate, coordination with the Federal Aviation Administration. Asked whether that meant the officials believe the jet could have crashed, Huggins said he was unable to elaborate, but that more information would be forthcoming. The FAA did not immediately respond for a request for comment. Mm. WTF for real. Yeah, for real. Lots of transparency there, uh, FAA. Where's your comment? You should be given some kind of comment. What the heck happened? How are we in this place where we don't even know where one of the aircrafts are? Like, how do you just go missing? It's an F-35. It's what? This is one of the most premier uh, aircrafts. $100 million aircraft. Okay. And it's just going missing? Like, come on. You got to be kidding me. Like, there needs to be some kind of answer. And what, what, what kind of mishap would lead to this exactly? I mean, there's so many questions here. You know, it's almost one of those instances where I wish that they just told us two weeks later when they got figured out everything. Because, again, like, I don't know if we need more transparency on this one or we need less. Because they're like, the circumstances that made the guy pop out the jet. We can't tell you what they are, but he did pop out the jet. It's kind of scary. And it makes the government seem weaker. It makes the government sound ridiculous. I mean, and is that the They're goal? posting this to the Facebook page. Like, are we serious? Is this like the, the muffin factory downtown? Like, oh, my God, like so many muffins ran off the they, – they overflowed the, the conveyor belt line, and we're going to not be able to have muffins until like next week, Tuesday. That's like what this is coming off as, and this is not that kind of thing. It's a $100 million jet. We don't know if, like, some foreign nation and, you know, if we can't find this jet, what are other nations flying over our country? Right, exactly. What are we doing? I mean, listen, I mean, we just, you know, it's a week out from September 11th, right? Yeah. And and now we have a missing fighter jet, (laughs) and we have no idea where it's at. And we're just, you know, we're going to put this out there. We, you know, maybe it's some alarm. We're going to call some public alarm. Maybe we're not. But, yeah, like you said, it would have been better off not knowing about this. So it was two weeks ago. Like, we lost a jet. And people were like, oh, that's crazy. But we found it. Don't worry about it. And you're like, okay, no problem. Like, 14 days of classifying this is not a big deal. And And this goes back to what I say. When I say, you know, when there's appointments versus people who actually know how to do their job. Like, what's really happening 
what's happening here with our country and the people that are at the wheel? Like, we need some accountability. Well, I mean, we see what's happening with the armed forces. They're, you know. They're weakened. They're definitely weakened by certain policies. And we're not even going to get into that because that's just a show for us. But we're going to put that behind the paywall when we talk about that, to be honest. Because there's a lot, you know, and we're not. It's a precarious situation for us. But let me just say that, um, you know, the FAA has a better idea about what's going on because there's a report recently that came out as well about the FAA saying that the close calls between uh, commercial jets happen way more often than you think. Like you're, like you're almost in an airplane accident basically every other time you take off um, because it's such hard. Uh, you know, pushing 10, there's been movies about how stressful that job is and how close the margins are. And it turns out it's very true. Like, these margins are very close. Like, the planes are almost touching each other all the time. It's kind of like driving on the streets. Where's the tracking device? Like, where's the tracking device? There must be a tracking device. Oh, definitely, definitely. But, like, you know, and that's what, you know, we're worked up now because we have all of these woke people saying this nonsense in the military and not realizing that, like, your job is not being transparent because guess what? We don't want them waking up in China reading this shit. We don't want them waking up in India reading this. We don't want them waking up in Russia reading this. The fact of the matter remains is that it should have been kept certain secret, things but need when to we're be hearing confidential. about it, it should have been told. Yeah, certain things need to be confidential. It's just, it, 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 especially military operations. Sorry, they, that was the wokeness to me. Yeah. I wanted to know more because you put the story yeah, out there. Yeah. So give me an answer. I was exactly. thinking that they were going to tell me it got recovered and everything was fine. Right, and that's and that's a big problem. We don't need to know this if we don't have an answer and the posting on facebook is just asinine at this point in time the fact of the matter remains is that there's certain things need to remain a secret out, out of concern for national security and if we can't find this jet and we don't know where it is the public is not going to help you find a stealth jet if they do find it it'll make news we'll, we'll know so you know either way the cat's going to be out of the bag but we don't need to get let the cat out of the bag until it gets out of the bag it looks like they already did so what the hell are you doing wtf wtf come on america Come on. All right. I'm rooting for you. Um, all right. Uh, so that, that brings us to our end. This was a great episode, I think. Again, we have over, we have active listeners, engaged listeners in over 22 states at this point. We want to keep that momentum going. So continue to share, like, subscribe, rate, and review. Wow. You remembered it all in one shot. Great job. Of course. <laughs>